Good afternoon, Packers fans. Aaron Nagler here with your Packers Daily Chat, coming to you live on the Cheesehead TV social channels. It is Tuesday. Packers are about a week away from having Brian Gutekunst speak at the Indianapolis Scouting Combine annual tradition. Very excited about that. In the meantime, we're here to chat green and gold each and every day on the Cheesehead TV social channels. If you haven't yet here on YouTube, please Please hit subscribe. We need every sub we can get, people. I'm down to begging now. I, I kid somewhat. Hope you're all uh, ready to crack open one and talk some ball. Let's go. I want to talk about Rashawn Gary today. Uh, my good friend and former colleague, Ryan Wood, is going through his positional grades and couldn't help but notice the headline over there on Packers News, which I know he doesn't write. Uh, reporters don't write the headlines. Uh, regarding... Rashawn Gary fading down the stretch, which I can get behind. I can understand looking at his season and looking at his overall play kind of on the back month of the season and thinking and saying and analyzing and coming to the conclusion, Rashawn Gary didn't quite live up to expectations through December and January. However, where I quibble with Mr. Wood uh, is his importance the importance he places on sacks and the lack thereof down the stretch, where I think if you turn on the tape and you actually kind of look at Gary's play, was it up to the standard that he had set earlier in the season? Absolutely not. But was he still affecting the quarterback, even though he wasn't getting the quarterback on the ground? One billion percent. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that Rashawn Gary a year removed from the ACL injury that he suffered in Detroit last season. Um, no question in my mind that he will hit the ground running in 2024 and maybe not quote, be back to his old self, but you'll see him getting the quarterback on the ground with regularity in a way that you probably didn't down the stretch there uh, in 2023. However, if you look through the totality of his season, he certainly affected the quarterback and affected his ability to throw throughout the entire season, not just early in the season when he was compiling more sacks than he did later uh, later on. And you don't have to look very far. In fact, you can look at the final game of the year when you go to San Francisco and look at the tape. There are at least two, if not three, third downs that the Packers get off the field because of pressure from Rashawn Gary that goes down as a pressure. But, you know, the quarterback has to rush the throw. And there's one in particular, a wide open Brandon Ayuk, which would have converted a third down and kept a drive going. That doesn't get completed because Rashawn Gary hurries the throw. And there are plenty of examples of that type of thing that I think and I don't I, I know Ryan knows this, but I think fans kind of lose sight of it. And Ryan, to his credit, in his piece notes that the pressures are there. The pressure numbers from earlier in the season to later in the season are pretty comparable. But when you start talking about how much more important sacks are, I just don't think that's the case. Um, I think pressure and affecting the quarterback is as important. And I think I go back to what Mike Smith, former outside backers coach for the, for the Packers, then moved on with Mike Pettin to the Vikings. You know, prior to Green Bay, he was in Kansas City. The man has been around pass rushers in the NFL for quite some time. And I'll never forget what he said when Rashawn Gary was drafted and there was some talk about his lack of production in college, right? I, I want to play, and I, I apologize for the audio here because I just ripped this quick, but I, this is gold. This is absolute gold. It should be 
in a football Bible somewhere because I couldn't, I cannot stress how much I agree with this right here. Never looked at the sacks to me. That's one thing you're going to learn. And, and I was stressed in Kansas City, and my guys bought into that. You guys have actually helped. I, I care about pressure affecting the quarterback. That's the number one thing. You know, I'll take a guy that does his job play after play after play after play, be consistent and have zero sacks, but he does his job, he's affecting the quarterback. Right? If you look at D four, he's number one in the NFL last year, Justin was four. We never talked about sacks. Those will come. If you got a room that believes the only way to get a, a pressure is a sack, you're gonna have a very disappointing room in the NFL because these guys are good. Right. And so um, that I could I, I care I could care about the sack stuff. When I watched it, I watched him affecting the quarterback. The sacks will come. And they do come in bunches. We've seen that throughout every cycle of NFL life, whether you're talking modern day, whether you're talking back in the day. If you can pressure the quarterback and affect his play, that on a consistent basis, that's what makes you great. You know, yes, the sack numbers are uh, certainly something that are always going to get pointed to, and they are a sign of production, not dismissing that idea. But it's about way more than just sacks when it when you're talking about pass rushers. And what's fascinating to me, going into 2024 with a brand new scheme, coaching staff, what have you, how are they going to be asking Rashawn to get after the quarterback and how much of his game is going to be uh, different with his hand in the ground, supposedly, you know, if they go to a 4-3 and he's asked to play D-end. Um, I'm just, I'm excited to see the transition. I just want everyone to remember it's about way more than just sacks. Because I've seen a couple people talking about we only, quote, had 10 sacks last year. Well, okay, but he affected the quarterback throughout the season. He pressured the quarterback all season long. That's it. This is my bugaboo for the day. Uh, hello to everybody in the comments section. Hope you're all doing well. Good to see everybody. Stu is here. Of course he is saying football, naturally. Craig starts us off. What's up, Craig? With regard to Gary, I assume opposing offensive coordinators could game plan for him, and that could impact his sack numbers. Who else do you see opposing OCs game planning for? It's a good point. And yeah, you saw evidence of that throughout much of the season, especially, I want to say, about halfway through the year. You started to see a lot more slides, a lot more double teams, chips, things of that nature, um, You know, especially on plays where they're asking the quarterback to get the ball out of their hands quick there's it's a hard you know thing to do where you look at the Dallas game Dallas clearly was doing a lot of those things to try and disrupt Rashawn and impede his ability to get to the quarterback um as far as you know other people that can do it on a regular basis where or that OCs are paying attention to not too many I think you've definitely seen teams pay attention to Kenny up front uh, but right now there's no one else on the defensive side of the ball that's commanding that type of attention outside of Rashawn and that's part of it too you know you know okay wherever Rashawn is that's where we're sliding that's where we're setting or pulling a guard or we're setting an extra tight end or we're having our back chip just giving him as much kind of you know shit to work through to try and get to the quarterback as possible because you know more often than not especially if your quarterback can play in rhythm it's going to you know he's going to have the ball out of his hands I think one thing to remember is you go back and you look, he had a monster quote unquote game against Detroit, right? Well, you go look at the number of snaps where Goff is back there and there's nowhere to go with the ball initially in rhythm. 
there are a few times where he, you know, is able to avoid pressure because of it, like being able to get it out during the design of the play. But there are plenty of instances where the coverage creates you know, the time necessary to get to the quarterback and not just for Rashawn, but for the entire front. You know, those are the games that you point to where you're like, that's the standard, right? Where both rush and coverage are working in tandem. And of course, you know, Joe Barry's three years, that was a, a rare occurrence. But yeah, as far as like guys that defensive coordinators are paying attention to the same way as Rashawn Gary, that's pretty few and far between. Brandy, that's exactly what I'm talking about. How important is teamwork in pressuring the quarterback? It's incredibly important because you want to be able to at least give the quarterback a second or two to pause because his first read isn't there or you know, the rhythm of the play is disrupted because of whatever route combo you're trying to take advantage of downfield. Well, now the secondary is taking that away and you've got to come back to your second or backside read. And now there's pressure in your face. It's incredibly important. Absolutely. Uh, what's up? What's your thoughts on direction we go? First pick. Thanks, Aaron. What's up, Callum? You know, it's, it's it's so difficult sitting at 25. You know, you're going to have to sit there for a couple hours and watch all this talent go off, other teams make trades, etc. I mean, right now I know Cooper DeGene is the hot name connected to the Packers. I know Daniel Jeremiah just had him in his second mock draft falling to Green Bay at 25. I talked about it yesterday, though. I'll be surprised if he's in that conversation post-combine once he tests but yeah, man, I don't know. Like, it could be a defensive lineman, could be an offensive tackle, uh, could be a corner. I like a number of the corners there. It's still very, very early. I'm going to be talking to uh, Ben Fennell tomorrow about guys and uh, the prospects we should all, as Packers fans, be looking out for at the Combine uh, next week. So be on the lookout for that. We'll have a, a lot more names to talk about. Dale Norton, good evening from London. Good evening from New York City. Hope you're doing well. Uh, any chance we pick a pass rusher in the second round? Haven't seen it in any mocks. Uh, absolutely. I suspect, you know, there's going to be a defensive-heavy draft yet again in Green Bay, and some fans will grumble about it. But when you're transitioning the way the Packers are, I think pass rushers, whether you're talking 4-3 DNs, whether you're talking linebackers, I think you're going to see a few of those uh, choice Choices made early in the draft with premium picks. You know, the Packers have five picks in the top 100. I think a couple of those could be utilized exactly as you're talking about here. Pass rushers, guys that can affect the quarterback. Um, you know, you, you have to be able to control the line of scrimmage and control the quarterback. And those absolutely will help in that regard. <laughs> Nag's never seen you without a lid. I used to do all of these without a lid. Um, but yeah, I'm going to the theater tonight. I have tickets to the theater, so I have to look somewhat presentable. Soder says, we will know a whole lot more about the draft once the RAS are posted. The RAS score, the relative athletic scores are posted. Yeah, that, that certainly helps kind of define things, especially when you're talking about the Packers. And I know, you know, the Packers don't use RAS itself, but um, Ken certainly has cracked the code as far as something very similar to the guidelines that the Packers are using when it comes to athletic testing. I will say, though, 
it sure feels like it was a lot easier to predict who Ted was going to take and who would be on Ted's board and who would be eliminated with Ted than it has been with Brian. Brian seems to be a little bit more lenient and able and or willing to go outside some of that stuff, right? But that said, it's still a very, very, very useful guidepost. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Craig, thanks again, man. If Halfley really does push the press man scheme, do you see Goody breaking the mold and going for bigger, more physical corners? I don't know if that's really breaking the mold. Uh, I think there's a chance that, yes, he he looks at cornerback in the draft, regardless of their makeup, if they can play a bit more sticky coverage. Um, I think that's always on offer, right? No matter what scheme you're running, you're going to need him. But, you know, I don't think he's going to make wild swings outside of their normal athletic profile. You know, but we'll see, man. He's he surprised me a couple times in his last couple drafts, whether it's taking, you know, uh, Walker where he did in the first round a couple years ago, whether it was Jaden Reed last year. There have been things outside of the quote unquote norm in Green Bay that Brian has certainly shown, as I was just talking about. He's not afraid to kind of step outside whatever has been deemed normal in Green Bay. <laughs> Todd, it's a beautiful day in Patagonia. My top draft request is anything Goody wants. I trust him. That's refreshing, Todd. I mean, look, it, no general manager is perfect. I think Brian gets it right more than he gets it wrong. And that's a head start in the NFL. No doubt about it. Uh, Riled Mouse, thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for the super chat. Nags, I'm very curious whether you listen to the commentators when you rewatch games. Are there any football talking heads you learn a lot from? Oh, that's a great question. It depends. Um, if I'm looking at schematic stuff, like I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, what they ran on this play, or why did that guy get wide open, or what protection breakdown happened, or things of that nature, I don't watch the broadcast. I'm always looking at the all 22, the coaches tape, right? Um, but in my quote leisure time, this actually, I was doing this literally this morning. I was rewatching the Broncos game from this past season. And, you know, they're more often than not, it, it's just kind of noise in the background that I'm really not paying attention to. Um, I do think Greg Olson does a very good job. And I think I like Tony Romo a lot more than the general consensus is these days. I know he was the hot name when he first started. Now everyone's kind of, got backlash on Romo for some reason, but I really like him. Um, you know, it was fun. It's funny you asked that question because I legit was just talking to someone in the league yesterday about how much I miss John Madden on the call. What his particular genius was, was his ability to tell you things about the game without making it feel like homework. He made it sound fun, but you were learning while having fun. And that is a really, really tough thing to do and it is rare and it's never driven home more than when you hear guys modern guys now trying to tell you stuff about the game but man it just sounds well, they're you know the cover two slice and the cover four and they're doing down this linebacker uh you know this this pin and pull and this is why this guy does this and like man i'm just why did that guy get wide open like that's all i'm asking and it just feels like everyone's trying to show how much they know rather than talking to an audience that you know ultimately doesn't really care that much about uh, the intricacies and the technique and things of that nature. They want to be entertained. Yes, they want to understand why things happen, 
but at some point you drill down too far and people's eyes just glaze over you know i've really found this out through many 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 years of producing football content it's i talked about a lot here people just don't want homework you know you you see a sack and you get the protection breakdown and you get somebody to break it down about why that blitz worked right and there are some guys who can do a very good job in very few words uh and there are others who have to give you all the information and you're kind of lost in an analysis paralysis you know but uh, hey look there are plenty of people in the football world who like that kind of stuff and that content is good for them right but i think as a general audience you're talking television commentators that's a tricky tricky uh it's a tricky road to walk brady will probably be really good reese davies i first of all great handle uh second of all i very much agree i'm very much looking forward mostly because i'm curious but i think he will be good I think it's going to be fascinating to watch a guy who played at such a high level, who's already made some waves, you know, in his post-playing career, talking about how poor the quarterback play is and how, you know, the NFL has really changed in regards to protecting players and not giving them the responsibility to protect their teammates with higher level play, et cetera. I'm fascinated to see what roads he goes down because I think, yeah, it could be really, really good. Um, Joseph asks, are there any free agents that you don't see coming back? I, I assume you're talking Packers free agents. And yes, I think there's plenty. Uh, Josiah DeGuara, John Runyon, most likely Darnell Savage and probably Yash Nyman and probably Keyshawn Nixon, though. I think there's a chance that Nixon and Savage might be back. Um, AJ Dillon, good chance he's gone. So yeah, there are, there are quite a few. Carl, it's very nice of you, man. I listened to Corey tell us what happened. That's a that's a that's a good idea. It's a very good idea. Back Daddy says he likes he prefers the new, less animated, less obnoxious Tony Romo. Oh, I disagree. I miss the loud, excited uh, Tony Romo. That, that's my he was he was awesome before CBS put the clamp on him. What else we got? Is Savage a huge loss, asked Craig. I don't think so. I think he was starting to figure it out towards the end of the year. Um, I don't doubt for a moment that if he hits the market and doesn't find a you know a decent contract, that he's back. There's a chance he's back in Green Bay on maybe like a one-year deal. But man, at some point, you've been in the NFL for how many years now? Five years and still missing tackles and still taking bad angles and still costing your team. I don't know, man. It's tough for me to say that'd be a huge loss. That's just me. Did CBS tell Romo to stop predicting plays early? I missed that. That is a great question, Jonathan, and it is a much debated topic in my Twitter DMs because I have intimated that before, and I've had people who work with CBS who have stridently claimed that that is not the case. Yet, he doesn't do it anymore, and people loved it. Yet they're told not to do. It's very clear he doesn't do it anymore. I don't know, man. I just don't know. Abdul, what's up? Hey, Aaron, who's the biggest beneficiary of New D? <sighs> Sometimes I'm 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 just fourteen. Uh, who's the biggest beneficiary? 
I don't I kind of I actually talked about this with someone the other week. I can talk to so many people. I forget who it was, but I think um, Quay Walker is going to be maybe not reborn, but I think people are going to see him in a new light when he's able to play weak side backer in this D. I think I think he's going to be I don't know, maybe maybe not a stud, but I think he's going to be a lot more active and exciting and uh, I think people are going to really kind of reevaluate Quay because I think he's good already, but I think this new scheme will allow him to kind of really uh, shine, so to speak. Josh Sims, appreciate the uh, super chat, super sticker. Thanks, buddy. Uh, hey, Nags, Green Bay would have beat the Pats in the 2014 Super Bowl. They played Pats well in the regular season that year. I hear you, man. Second time around, though, Belichick and Brady. I just don't buy it. But I hear you, man. Hey, look, like, like I said yesterday, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> Grant, it's only February? Damn. I feel you, man. I feel you. All right, buddy. I'm going to have to get going. I can't thank you enough for hanging out, talking Packers each and every day, Monday through Friday, right here on the Cheesehead TV social channels. Please do me a monster favor. Hit like on the video. Subscribe to the channel and then tell your friends and tell your family. Cheesehead TV, we are devoted to Green Bay Packers fans worldwide. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a great night. Go Pack Go.